Government has announced big plans to end the power crisis in South Africa, but analysts are predicting at least another seven years of load shedding. We speak to Samantha Graham Murray, the Democratic Alliance's Shadow Minister of Electricity. Welcome, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me again, Chris. What do you think of the revised Integrated Resource Plan? Um, Chris, we're still busy working through it as the Democratic Alliance so that we can have a proper position on it. Um, at this stage, there are obviously some positives to it, but um, we need to really drill down into the aspects of it. I mean, it is so long overdue, and I'm, you know, a lot of it is still um, worrisome in terms of the fact that they're reverting back to the standing firm on the coal strategy. They're not in any rush to eliminate coal as a um, source for uh, electricity generation in the country. So um, there are elements that are obviously um, positive, but in the main, we, we are a little concerned about the over-reliance on coal that remains as part of the RP. Now, what about the Memorandum of Understanding that has been signed to give the Minister of Electricity uh, more powers? So effectively, the minister was appointed in March last year. He was then given ostensible powers in May um, following the sort of proposed changes to various uh, the Electricity um, Regulation Amendment Act, those powers actually gave him nothing nothing to work with. He has no procurement powers. He has no powers over ESCOM. He has no real decision-making powers. Any determinations need to be done by um, Wedi Mantashi or Minister Gordon. So he was really given uh, powers in, in words but no powers in, in real deeds. So the Memorandum of Understanding now is ostensibly to – uh, take away the risk of any conflict between him and Vaudan. So while he was given the powers over the board, so he was required to actually meet with the Eskom board as part of his powers before the MOU, which he's never done. I must just tell you, he's never actually met with the Eskom board. So how you um, can speak about electricity as an electricity manager, but you've never actually sat down with Eskom and looked at a strategy for the SOE is beyond me. Nonetheless, he now has powers over the board and he has um, some powers ostensibly over the management of ESCOM. So hopefully that will allow him to make some inputs in terms of strategy. But he still has no procurement powers. And this is obviously where the problem comes in because, for example, anything related to independent power producers has to be done via Gwedi Mantashi. He's the only one who has procurement powers in that respect. So his hands are still ostensibly tied. I'm not entirely sure that he has... Um, any real new powers in terms of the MOU. And until they actually create a an electricity portfolio that gives him all control over electricity, I don't think he's going to be able to be as effective as he'd like to be. Now, what is happening with funding for the energy transition and for the bailout at ESCOM? So with the 254 billion rand bailout that National Treasury have given to Eskom. This was obviously to offset uh, debt um, and to make them more financially sustainable. One of the provisions of that is that they're not allowed to incur any new debt um, as a power utility. So there's a big problem because obviously we now need to, we need about 6,000 kilometers of uh, transmission for the grid. We need to be bringing in new uh, generation capacity, new transmission facilities, et cetera, et cetera, all of which requires funding. We also have on the sidelines the Just Energy Transition, the JP program, which is funding that has been put together by the international partners group. So that's com countries like um, the UK, Germany, Denmark, Sweden, et cetera, et cetera. So they've put together between 8 and 11 billion rand, uh, dollars, US dollars, 
in funding to assist us with the just energy transition. So this would be a move away from coal into renewables and into other green energy so that we can um, start uh, meeting our climate change goals. Now, the problem with that is that we still haven't got a plan in place. We still haven't used a single cent of this money that's available. But in the interim, very quietly, this National Treasury went and incurred a $1 billion debt with the World Bank for what they called just energy transition. So I put in a question to the Minister of Finance and I said, well, is this part of the JP program? What are the requirements in terms of this? Um, you know, what are the onerous requirements in terms of repayments? So it's $1 billion. According to the, the Minister of, of Finance, this is part of the just energy transition system, but falls outside of the JP. But it's a debt on its own. It has um, certain requirements and prerequisites. I think our first payment comes due in 2038. So we've got um, 2028, we've got a five-year, it's a 15-year debt uh, loan period, and then we've got five years sort of in which we can start meeting um, those, those repayment requirements. And then we have to make payments every uh, twice a year. But my, my issue around all of this is this, are they circumventing the Eskom Debt Relief Bill by using National Treasury to now go and incur debt on behalf of Eskom? So the country's taking on the debt on behalf of Eskom to avoid not meeting the requirements of the Eskom Debt Relief Bill. Why are we not tapping into the just energy transition funding that's available to us? And I know that, that one of government's major statements is that we're not going to be dictated to by the West because a lot of the loans um, and grant funding that comes out of the JP is based on um, what they call concession loans. In other words, you meet certain requirements and then you can have the loan. So government's response, as usual, is, well, we're not going to be told what to do. You know, we're, we're Africa and we do what we do the way we do it. And so my question is, why are we incurring a 19 billion rand debt and is it to avoid, A, um, going against the National Treasury um, Eskom bailout bill, or B, is it to avoid being told what to do by the West? So it just seems to me bizarre that there are all these things in place around funding and, and loans and debts, et cetera, but then they're going round the back door to go and bring in um, additional funding and additional debt. Uh, so I will now be submitting additional questions around around what it's going to be used for, how it's going to be tracked, how it's going to be monitored, et cetera, because there's no clarity around that either. I asked whether or not there was a business plan. Uh, there doesn't seem to be one. So I'd like to know exactly what they're using that money for and whether or not it falls within the, the, the JP project. And if so, then why are they not using that funding to to make these these require these changes? Now, may we talk about the three projects that fell over table in December, how is that going to affect us? So by the 31st of December, there were three projects that needed to meet specific um, financial compliance requirements, um, which they didn't do. Look, I think part of it is, is that Gwedi Mantashi has made sure that any um, particularly renewable energy projects, the requirements to come on board and to actually be operational are so onerous um, that it's almost impossible for these companies to, to get their ducks in a row in order to meet those requirements. So that has been one of the ways in which he's managed to to sort of avoid bringing in additional IPPs. But the one, obviously, that that we are pleased about is the car power ship deal. The other two, the one was a um, a solar a project, and the other one was another of the IPPs. And they were they were the other two were sort of worth about um, two hundred megawatts. But obviously, the car power ship deal is a big 
is a big deal because they were going to put up three three stations around the country, and um, this is a big deal for us personally. I'm very relieved that that one has fallen off the off the table, um, particularly after what happened in um, Africa, where one of the countries I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um, I can't remember now. Suddenly, Sierra, I think it was Sierra Leone. Um, they switched off the entire like the whole country. Now, to me, to have our entire country's grid in the hands of a private company is a terrifying prospect. Um, I also think that from environmental aspects, I don't think car partnership was a good idea. And also, if you looked at the cost of the electricity, it was very, very expensive. So from that perspective, I think I think it's a big relief that the car partnership deal has fallen off. But obviously, it is now delaying um, the uh, sort of improvement of, of the rollout of the electricity. So let's let's hope that there are alternatives in place. Look, there's nothing to stop these these organizations from reapplying because they now have to open open up again to independent power producers to bring in those those megawatts again. Um, so they can reapply and maybe they'll be in a better position to meet the compliance requirements going forward. What other developments are there with the independent power producers program? Um, not so much at this stage. I mean, l- let's be honest. Eskom is not is not coming to the party with respect to that. Um, all sort of solar that has come online in the last year has all been private. Um, the, as I say, they have found ways to make it in- increasingly difficult for um, the IPPs to come on board. Um, you know, they've lifted things. Uh, they've they've made it so unbelievably costly um, and so onerous for a company to get to the point where they can actually even break ground. Um, I know that that they are saying that um, with the with these projects having fallen off, they're now looking for what they call shovel ready projects that they can use to to slot into those gaps to try and um, you know. And that was very much a, a concept that Ramahopa brought with him from when he was at Infrastructure South Africa. Part of what Infrastructure South Africa's idea was is let's find shovel ready projects that we can we can bypass. You know, a lot of red tape's been dealt with. A lot of the issues in terms of compliance and enforcement have been dealt with, and we can just bring in funding and get them going. So um, this might actually open the door to other people who are ready to go uh, to come come onto onto the playing field and and implement new projects. So it could it could actually end up being beneficial, but we'll just have to see how that plays out. I just want to go back to the minister. How long has he been in his job now? It will be, he's been in for 10 months. He was appointed last year in March, just after the uh, State of the Nation address. But look, I mean, again, you come back to the, the the memorandum of understanding. He's now been given this massive task. He's now, you know, in charge of the board. He's in charge of Eskim. He's in charge of this. He's got to do that until May. And that's as long as the MOU is in place. So what on earth is the man going to do in four and a half months? And, and in all this time, he has not once met with the ESCOM board. No. And that was not excluded. And that was surely not excluded from his from his powers at the time. No, that was one of the original powers was that um, he engaged with the ESCOM board. And to my knowledge, he's never met with them. He goes off to the, the stations. But I don't know how you can get into a strategic thinking environment with an SOE without meeting with its board. It just doesn't make sense to me. So you're not very optimistic that he's uh, – Enhanced powers will make much of a difference before May. No, I can't. See, I can't see that he can actually make any major major strides in four months anyway. And um, you can't just give somebody powers and then expect them to turn around a, a failing, dismally failing SOE in four months. It's never going to happen. Now, 
I know you've been digging for a long time to try and unmask the identity of the Minister of Electricity's secret funder of the multi-billion rand smart meter program. Any news for us? No news, although there has been a slight change in tone from the minister. As you know, I put in uh, put in written questions to Minister Goran and to um, Minister Amahorpa because I was getting no joy on the pie request. I subsequently found that there's another thing I can do, so I can declare a dispute for the lack of information on the pie request. So I will be following up on that once we're back in Parliament. Um, just to say that at the end of the day, this he's just completely ignored my request and there's no basis on which it can be done where it can be ignored. But I can go through the information regulator um, and declare a dispute, which I will be doing. In the meantime, uh, they have implemented 31,000 of these meters at a cost of 96 million rand. And uh, there's still 5.3. It's a total of 5.3 million households is the the objective um, at 16 million rand, 16 billion rand. Um, there's a European company that's currently got the contract to do that. So in my questions, I obviously asked about the tender processes and I asked about uh, who'd been awarded it. Minister Gordon has subsequently come back and said that they might not be the only company that gets the tender. So it's not even a local company that's got the tender. It's a foreign company. So South Africa is not benefiting directly from this massive generalized smart meter installation. But the interesting thing is that when Minister Ramahorpa responded, he stated that Eskom have budgeted for this project. In other words, he's now changed his his tack from saying that there's this mystery funder that's funding the program to say that this forms part of Eskom's budget. So needless to say, we'll be drilling down into Eskom's budget to find out where they have budgeted for this project and exactly how much they have budgeted for it and whether or not that is the case. But we will still obviously be pursuing the questions around whether or not there really was ever a mystery funder and if so, who it was. Any other developments or predictions you would like to share with us, as Samantha? Um, maybe one other thing. Last year, I put in a, uh, I wrote to the to Eskom to say that um, we were of the impression that they had been lying to us about the stages of load shedding, and that on several occasions we were of the opinion that they had exceeded stage six and seven and actually gone into stage eight load shedding. And we wanted some clarification on that. Needless to say, as usual, um, our requests have been ignored and we will have to be following up on that in the new year because we did quite close to the end of last year. So we'll be following up on that. But the interesting thing is that in a, in a couple of questions in the last week, Wedi Mantashi has admitted that last year, January, we went into stage eight load shedding. He didn't state anything further about other months, but it's the first time that anybody from government has actually admitted to the fact that we did go into stage eight load shedding. So we now have it uh, from from the Minister of Energy that this has been a case, and obviously we've now been lied to by Eskom because they've never, ever admitted to going into Stage 8. So we will obviously pursue that again to find out how many times this has happened and how many times we've been lied to. And then obviously, as we know, Eskom's own forecast indicates that uh, the next 52 weeks there will be load shedding. So we know that uh, load shedding is not going to go away. Uh, I know that there are people who are threatening to sue for Kili and Balula for promising that it would be over by the end of last year. I doubt they'll get anywhere. But nonetheless, uh, we've learned, learned um, as we go along that we can't believe anything the ANC says with respect to whether or not load shedding is going to end anytime soon. So I think we're in for the long haul. But hopefully come May, things will change substantially and we can start putting in a proper plan that will change the trajectory of our energy crisis. 
Thank you. That was the Democratic Alliance's Shadow Minister of Electricity, Samantha Gray-Marie, speaking to Biz News. I'm Chris Stain. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks so much, Chris.